I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we travel to China and uncover a culinary oddity. Why does East Asian food lack desserts? If you have ever traveled to the US, you would have noticed a certain baked goods store called Cinnamon. Their signature dish is the cinnamon roll, and the company has stores in over 40 countries, including India, with stores in Delhi, Mumbai, and Bangalore. It has stores in Hong Kong too, but there is a market difference in what it sells in Hong Kong versus the rest of the world. They cut the sugar content by about 30% for Hong Kong and most East Asian and Southeast Asian markets. Now the localization of taste by multinational food chains is a familiar story. We have all seen our share of tandoori paneer or achari do pyaza pizzas and the aloo tikki burger by McDonald's which turned around the fortunes of the company in India. But a 30% reduction in sugar is not about introducing local flavors. It goes deeper than that. There is a distinct lack of desserts in East Asian cuisine. Open your Zomato or Swiggy app and look for pan-Asian restaurants. Scroll down to their menus in the dessert section. You would either find international desserts or artisanal ice creams or a severely limited menu of desserts. This is the story of why East Asian food lacks desserts. Despite being a diverse and complex set of cuisines, many of them simply do not have the concept of desserts. One of the best compliments a Chinese person can give you while having dessert is it's not too sweet. But let's first understand the structure of Chinese cuisine. Linguist Jan Durafsky calls it the grammar of cuisine. So for example, American cuisine follows salad means dessert, while French cuisine follows entree, salad, fromage, dessert. Indian food on the other hand does not strictly follow any such grammar. For even our regular meals can vary from a simple sambar sadam to a Bengali full course lunch meal which goes from bitter to sweet. Dessert does not exist in the grammar of Chinese cuisine. There is traditionally no exact Chinese word for dessert. The most frequently used modern translation, timban in Cantonese and tianlian in Mandarin is a word which refers to sweet snacks, not to dessert. Instead, the end of a traditional Cantonese meal is marked by a serving of savory soup. This is not to say that Chinese cuisine does not have sweet food. There are sweet soups called tongsui, which literally means sugary waters that act like small snacks or small late night meals. The grammar of Chinese foods is different. A Cantonese meal consists of a starch portion like rice, noodles or porridge and non-starch portions like vegetables, meat or tofu. These can be mixed in one dish, which gives rise to the famed chow mein and egg fried rice. Or the meal could simply be plain white rice with separate dishes being served with it. The Cantonese word for the non-starchy food is sung. The word for grocery shopping in Cantonese is mai sung or buying sung because it is assumed that you would have the starchy staples in your house. One of the major reasons for the grammar of a Chinese meal is genetics. 
about 65% of the human population has a reduced ability to digest lactose after infancy. Lactase non-persistence is most common in East Asian people, with 70-100% of people in these communities affected. Babies are born with the ability to make lactase, the enzyme needed to digest lactose in milk. However, about 60% of people stop producing lactase as they mature. This includes primarily those of Asian and African descent. A study estimated that 92% of adults in China have trouble absorbing lactose. More recently, China's Preventative Medicine Agency suggested that by the time kids are 11 to 13 years old, around 40% have lost the ability to digest it. Given how strongly milk features in desserts across the Western world, it's no surprise that people of Northern European descent tend to retain the ability to produce the enzyme and drink milk throughout their life. The other major reason is the philosophy behind Chinese cuisine. While the cuisine in itself is very diverse, with each state boasting of its unique cuisine, there are two major streams of thought. The first is the unity of food and medicine. In traditional Chinese pharmacology, whose history goes back to over 4000 years, medicine originates from food. The idea of the unity of diet and treatment was systemized and popularized during the Zhao dynasty from 11th to 3rd century BC. Food and medicine were considered distinct yet inseparable from each other. The second is about nursing one's health with food. Compared to the first principle, this is preventive. It says that the tongue cannot be satisfied and calls for restraining the desire to sample every taste. As Indians, this intrinsically appeals to us, as Ayurveda also has similar principles. These principles when applied to food reveal the full story. Eating sugary foods with meals is not in sync with the idea of food as medicine. Traditionally, the northern central plains, which was the cradle of ancient Chinese civilization, pursued a moderate seasoning in cooking. It usually balanced these five tastes – sweetness, sourness, bitterness, pungency and saltiness. This is a critical difference. Sugar is seen as a condiment, not as much as a taste unto itself. Additionally, recent scientific discoveries have found certain taste receptor genes that are linked to sugar intake and preferences. Interestingly, it turns out that based on genetic profiles, Chinese consumers are more likely to be considered super tasters and have a lower preference for sweetness as compared to people of other ethnic backgrounds. Another additional factor is the other food habits which influence sweetness. A paper published in the Food Quality and Preference Journal demonstrates that the consumption of hot water can intensify the taste of sweetness. Participants in the experiment reported feeling intensified sweetness in dark chocolate after drinking water served at 20 or 50 degrees Celsius, compared to after drinking water at 4 degrees Celsius. In my six months of living in China, I observed that drinking hot water was a way of life. You would often find old people carrying a bottle of hot water with green tea leaves resting at the bottom. This is of course not to say that Chinese people do not eat sweet dishes. They often have fresh fruit at the end of the meal instead of dessert and festivals are celebrated with sweet dishes ranging from moon cakes to flower cakes. However, the Chinese do not understand dessert the way the western world does. I'll admit that I've had my fair share of frustrations about the lack of dessert while I lived in China. This was further excavated when I travelled across Southeast Asia and encountered a lack of desserts there as well. But I now realise that the problem was with me. 
I transplanted a western idea of a meal onto a culinary culture which was significantly different. As we travel, sometimes the best thing to learn is to unlearn our implicit biases and relearn that there are no singular truths about food. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YV Travel 42 on Instagram.